Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 106, the double review for The New Mutants and Mulan. And I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And yeah, man, we got another double review, man. It's been a while since I did one of these, but I thought it'd be appropriate given the films that we're going to be talking about today. Now, initially, I was supposed to have this review done, I think, the week after I ended up seeing The New Mutants. Because The New Mutants, I think, came out, I think, what, the same week as Tenant over here? Or it was the week before? I don't know. I remember seeing Tenet, and then I had my review for that, I think, within that week. And then we went to see The New Mutants afterwards. So that was the last film I ended up seeing. And that was about, I want to say, maybe close to three weeks ago now. It's kind of hard to keep track of time during this whole 2020, uh, you know, stay indoors time thing going on. But, yeah, man. Essentially, I was supposed to have this review done two weeks ago. But because of scheduling conflicts and my laptop decided to be a right little punk and continuously freezing on me several times over the course of the last month it's it's made recording very like you know was it questionable but i am here now and while these films have sort of fallen out of the uh ongoing conversation i felt like i still needed to jump in and share my thoughts especially about one of them which you shall discover soon enough but as you heard at the top of the episode, we're going to be talking about the new mutants and Mulan, the 2020 edition from Disney. So hopefully you shall find these informative, but also fun to listen to. I'm fun, right? Um, don't answer that question because I feel like some people are just going to troll me. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, we're going to start with the new mutants first and then talk about Mulan. And these reviews will be largely unscripted just because... It's just easier for me to talk about these films without, like, you know, a structure. I'll just be sort of going in and out. I mean, obviously, I'll still be talking about them in the standard way, you know, story, characters, presentation, and conclusion, but just a little looser, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Anyway, without further ado, we're going to start right now. So, at first, we have The New Mutants. So, yeah, man, this film has had quite the journey to release. At one point, I didn't actually think it was going to get released, considering all the... Uh, pushbacks and delays it was getting because yeah man the new mutants now if you think back on it the first bit of marketing the first trailer that came out for this film was back in 2017 man october 2017 so that was almost three years ago and it was supposed to come out in april of 2018 but then it was pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and considering the pushbacks and then when we got to this year and how many films kept getting pushed back. I was like, yo, man, 2020 is here to just, like, you know, just destroy the new mutants. It was already having a rough ride. But, like, considering how everything has gone to crap in this year in general, it's like 2020 was just here to, you know, step on new mutants just a little further into the ground. It's like, you ain't coming out now, bitch. But, yo, man, it was just an interesting journey watching how this film was, like, you know, going on. And then because of the whole, like, uh, acquisition of Fox from Disney people were starting to wonder if it would even come out or whether it be released in theaters or just pushed to the Disney Plus streaming service. 
so it's just so many questions that I was up in the air. You know, the actors were being asked if the film was even going to show up at all, and they were just like, mm, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the film eventually came out, and it felt so surreal to hear people talking about it, having seen it online and stuff. And I was like, wow, man, this is this is mental. It just doesn't feel right. <laughs> but yeah, the New Mutants exist, and the reviews that I heard were middling to bad. So I didn't feel an immediate need to run out and see it. However, after I saw Tenant, I was just like, eh, you know what, I'm kind of curious. And since it was the only other new film that was out in the cinema over here in the UK, I was like, you know what, Dad, would you want to come and watch it? So, yeah, find my dad and my sister alone to go out and watch it. We saw it, and yeah, now it's time to talk about it. So the story of this film can be summed up as the following. Being the only survivor of a horrible incident, Danny Moonstar is admitted to a secret hospital where she, along with several other mutants with different abilities, are being treated so that they can be reintegrated into society afterwards. So it's all about essentially learning what their powers are and learning how to deal with it and deal with their past trauma. However, as the film goes on, Danny and the other mutants start to realize that this facility isn't what it seems. So it's down to them to band together and escape before things get out of hand. And that is basically the way for me to summarize this film without going into the era spoilers. Now, overall, I thought the film was fine. There was nothing significantly bad about it, but there wasn't anything that, like, you know, elevated it over some of the other superhero films I've seen in recent years. The best way for me to describe it in one word, as Robin would put it from Young Justice, I was whelmed. Yeah, man, just the story had its moments, definitely. I was intrigued by the concept. I liked the tone. I liked some of these moments of tension and, like, the horror elements that they were trying to imply and show in the film it worked for the most part i enjoyed the character development of uh, the cast which you know the small bits of it that we did get and while there were definitely um plot points and beats that i could see coming they were executed well enough that i didn't feel like i was wasting my time my main issue with the story is the runtime there was not enough time for me to really bond with these characters and while i'm never against a superhero film being less than two hours because as much as i love to sit there for like you know two hours 20 minutes or maybe two and a half hours sometimes that can be a little tiring so the runtime for this film was refreshing and it was nice to be able to zoom through this film at a swift pace but i feel like a lot of that time could have been used to develop the characters, build a little bit more tension towards the latter side of the film because when we got to the latter part and the final act was happening, it did feel like certain things were resolved a little swifter than I would like. It's a shame that this uh, we didn't get to see where this series was going to go because I don't think it's too much of a secret that this film ends in a way where it's concluded that story but it's open for sequels. But obviously because of like, you know, Disney owning Fox now, they pretty much put the kibosh on those plans indefinitely. But yeah, this universe was pretty decent and I enjoyed seeing some of the ties to the other X-Men films. Those who are Eagle Eye fans from like some of the other X-Men movies, there are like little smidgets of information that just like ties it together and it's pretty cool. Alright, and now it's time to talk about the cast, and I think they all did a decent job, though some stood out more so than others just because of the way in which they were handled in the story, but also because of their acting. 
So let's start out with Blue Hunt as Danny Moonstar. She was fine. She had a lot to do as like, you know, the sort of central character of this film. And at most points she was good, but I felt like she was a little wooden. And I don't want to like, you know, bash her too much because it wasn't like, you know, a horribly distracting thing. It's just that I felt like with some of the more emotional and intense moments, she just didn't bring as much as I would like. And then there's Charlie Heaton as Sam. I thought his powers were pretty cool and it was good to see him in something outside of Stranger Things and I thought he did fine. You also have Anya Taylor-Joy as Ilana. Man, she was a bitch. I hated her, but she did the role pretty well. Learning about her character and her backstory, it was pretty decent and she got a lot of moments to shine in the film. And I thought of all the characters, she was probably the most interesting but I think that was more to do with her power set than anything else. And then you have Maisie Williams as Rain. I loved her. Maisie Williams, like, you know, she's just adorable. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. She just has a wonderful, cute energy about her that just makes her hard not to like. And at first, I was trying to figure out what kind of action she had. But I was like, oh, she's a Scottish person. Oh, that's pretty cool. We don't tend to get many Scots in, like, you know, big budget films these days. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed her character. It was definitely probably the most interesting of all of them, especially with the religious elements that came into play. I enjoyed her relationship with Danny, and Williams was great. She was probably my favorite of the bunch. And then you have Henry Zaga as Bobby. He was good, but I feel like his character didn't have nearly as much depth as everybody else. I mean, he had his moments to, like, where we learned essentially about him and then for him to like you know utilize his powers in a certain way but especially towards the end of the movie i was just like i'm not i'm not connecting with you nearly as much so yeah there's that and then finally we have alice bragger as dr celia reyes i like this lady i've seen her dotted about in films over the years i think the most notable thing i remembered her from was i am legend just because I really enjoyed that film, especially when I was 17, when it came out. I haven't actually watched it too many times since, but I still remember her face from that film, and I also remember her from Elysium and Predators, but I had actually forgotten that she was that super cute lady in City of God, and I'm just like, oh my god, of course, she was Angela, man, and I loved her in that movie, so yeah, I felt terrible that I had forgotten about her, but I enjoyed her in this film. She rode this nice line between being, like, you know, caring, but also sinister and obviously having ulterior motives. And I thought she did well in the film. And then there's the presentation. I thought this film looked good. It was shot pretty well, had some interesting camera work. And the CGI, for the most part, held up, though it did get a little questionable and blurry at certain points. But again, overall, pretty solid. And with the film score from Mark Snow... It had its moments, but I didn't feel like it had any super defining, like, you know, is it themes or moments that made it stand out. So I wouldn't call it a disappointment. I mean, it did its job when it was necessary, but I didn't find it, like, super compelling. So overall, New Mutants, it's fine. It's not exactly, like, the home run you'd want for this franchise, this X-Men franchise, to go out on. But I feel like it was a more solid note than X-Men Dark Phoenix because I ended up watching X-Men Dark Phoenix, I think, last week. My sister kept moaning at me to watch it, so I ended up watching it recently. And I think that film hurts me more just because they had an opportunity to do something different and, like, you know, course correct. But 
it essentially did the same beats as X-Men The Last Stand, except somehow worse, which is incredible to me. And Simon Kinberg, who should never have been given the reins to handle this film in the first place, he was involved with The Last Stand, and yet still make the same mistakes again. It is insane. So yeah, like that film frustrates me. The New Mutants doesn't frustrate. It just left me completely whelmed. Alright, and now we're talking about Mulan. Now, the original Mulan from 1998, I believe, is actually one of my favorites. I never actually grew up with Mulan. It wasn't part of my specific VHS collection. I was more into re-watching Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Aladdin, and so on and so forth. But when I eventually saw it, which I think was via a friend's house, something like that, it did end up becoming one of my favorites. I think I ended up seeing it when I was about, what, nine or ten or something. And re-watching it recently, I was surprised how much of it I still remembered. The film has some of my favorite visuals in any of the Disney films. I love Mulan's journey. I love Ming-Na Wen. She's obviously got my heart forever. And the themes of that film still hold up very well. It's a wonderfully executed film at around 90 minutes. It's really solid. So with the Disney live-action remakes that were coming out, of all of the ones that I wanted to see done, Mulan was the one I wanted. Because seeing how that whole story could be translated to live-action, especially for the action sequences, the scenery and the battles and the walls and stuff, that would be beastly. Obviously, since Disney started doing this whole live-action train of uh, films, it's been a questionable road with a lot of hits and misses, but mainly misses. I think now, especially after the release of Aladdin and Lion King specifically, most people are tired of these remakes and they want them to go away. Lion King was the one that broke the camel's back, man, where everyone just said, yo, man, that remake was trash. Get it out of here. And then, obviously, before Mulan came out, you know, the 2020 edition, there was a whole lot of the controversy going on about the film prior to its release when the main actress who plays Mulan in the film said that she supported the Hong Kong police. And this is during, like, the controversy going on surrounding the Hong Kong protests, which obviously set the internet ablaze, especially on Twitter. My God, everyone was just like, yo, nope, we ain't down for that. Hashtag boycott Mulan. That was done. It was so there was loads of people that just literally swore the film off after that and there were numerous other controversies that were going on prior to and after the film's release that's been actually talked about recently however i'm not going to go into all those because uh, i do not feel equipped to talk about those however i will mention one other controversy that happened just prior to the film's release so people were wondering with the whole coronavirus situation would this film still be released in cinemas or would it be pushed to vod it was pushed to vod eventually but with the caveat that you ended up having to pay $30 American, and I think it's like 20 quid over here, in order to see it on Disney+. Plus. Now, for families, I understand. This is all well and good for them, because I know that there's like certain people that run around, end up having to pay like stupid amounts of money just to watch one film, even on like, you know, the uh, cheap days and stuff like that, or with the deals. But for people like me, who like, you know, just single, who don't got no one else to go with, this is a bit much, and especially considering that over here in the UK, we still got Cineworld, man. I could technically go run into the cinema and watch a film like this for free. So, why am I putting out money for something that may potentially be bad? Nah, mate, no chance. <laughs> so, yeah, my enthusiasm for the film started to decline after I heard about some of the controversies surrounding the film, but also 
when I'd heard that the film ended up being another middling to bad to good mixed response kind of mumbo jumbo when it got released in the early side of September. So I was debating whether I was going to talk about this now, you know, during the month of September or talk about it in December. But I was like, nah, the curiosity got to me, especially after rewatching the original like last week. I was like, no, 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 I need to know. And I saw it. And boy, I got nothing to say about this movie. But, you know, I'll try to keep it brief. All right, and now it's time to talk about the story, and it can be summed up as the following. So we have Mulan, a young girl who goes against her father's wishes and enlists in the army to not only save his life, but also defend her country. So she disguises herself as a man, joins the army, does the training, and along with her allies will fight this war against an upcoming threat who basically wants to rule all of the land. And that is essentially the best way for me to describe this film without going into the area spoilers. Essentially, this is the same story that you know from the 90s version, but with padding. Essentially, what the filmmakers behind this film have wanted to do is try to bridge the story elements from the Chinese folklore, but also take the stuff that you appreciate about the 90s version and sort of mix them together. What you're left with is this hodgepodge of ideas that technically works but doesn't have the cohesiveness that you would like the story has moments of seriousness but also has moments of humor but they don't quite gel and the humor goes from having you know the odd laugh here and there like the odd chuckle to being full-on you know sort of slapstick cartoony stuff that just doesn't work in live action and the themes of this film relating to pride honor women knowing their place and all this other sort of sexism stuff that was present in the original film it feels like they doubled down on it and it's knocking you over the head with it it's like no subtlety about what this film is trying to get across with its story and it doesn't work as well and in between the segments of the story that you know from the 90s version it just feels like there's padding extra scenes extra moments that don't really add much to the story and while the elements of magic would have been interesting in this film, it felt largely unnecessary. Certain decisions made that would make me just go, but why? The changes made in this film were completely unnecessary. And while I am not against a remake or a reimagining of a film, if it has something new to bring that improves or at least offers a different perspective in a positive manner. Everything I watched in this film just made me go, but it was better done in the 90s version. And then we have the cast, who were fine I guess, but everybody was just going through the motions. Some of the people tried to inject a little bit of humor and life to them, but because they were so poorly written, they just didn't have the flair. Everybody in this cast just doesn't have the energy, charisma, or memorable elements that made the 90s version so fun. Now, obviously, again, translation from animation to live action, something gets lost and change has to happen. But I didn't realize these characters would be so lifeless, especially the main character. You have Yifei Lu, or is it Lu Yifei? I've seen it mixed around depending on where I am on the internet, but... Essentially, the main lady who's playing Mulan, I wanted to like her. I really did. 
But this version of the character is one of the most dull, uninteresting, and just not very cool characters I've ever had to follow. The greatest thing about Mulan is that she was capable, determined, and she put in the work and then became a warrior, all of her own volition. But this film, with the introduction of Chi and how she has to hide it, and then when the film calls her to be pretty badass, she ends up using it and then supersedes everybody around her. Oh, it hurt me, baby. It killed me. Mulan in this film is a superhero, and she has what I would like to call the Captain Marvel problem. She already has the tools necessary to take out the enemy. She's not invincible, but the film does a pretty good job of showing that whenever she is on the battlefield taking other people out, there is not really anyone else that can take her on. Like Captain Marvel, she has the abilities already, but chooses not to use them. But then because the plot eventually demands that she, you know, show her abilities off, that's when she takes off the power gloves and then just decides to go all out on people. And I hate it. Sure, Mulan does training and, you know, eventually becomes more competent as a warrior, but half the stuff that she learns here, she probably knew already from her father and, you know, utilizing Chi from a young age. The whole magic side of this crap literally just renders anything about Mulan's, you know, character development moot. And again, it doesn't help that Mulan is just one note, very boring, she barely emotes, and I can't get behind a character like that, baby. Even my boy Donnie Yen, who I think was probably the most enjoyable person in this film, especially when he got to throw down and, like, you know, is it show off those martial arts skills, he was just really plain, and that was a shame. But then we have Jason Scott Lee as Bori Khan, who's supposed to be this film's version of, like, uh, was it Shan Yu? Is that how you say his name from the original film? The villain from the 90s animated version was big. He was dark. He was scary. And while he was a fairly one-note villain, he was intimidating and he did his job of being a threat. Bori Khan, on the other hand, is the most basic, paper-thin, boring-ass dude I've ever seen. And I just... Baby, I don't know. No, he was awful. And... Yeah, Jason Scott Lee, he tried, he did, but he didn't have the intensity or the intimidation factor. He was just so ugh, disappointing. Oh, and I almost forgot. Then you have Gong Lee as, I don't even know how to say her name. I'm just going to say the witch lady. So the witch lady was incorporated into this film as the helper of Bori Khan. She's a witch that most people don't trust. But she's there to basically help him out so that she will have a place in the sun in the film. And her whole being in this film was completely superfluous. I hated it. And when you find out the reasoning for why she's doing what she's doing and what she ends up doing towards the last side of the film, I'm like, why? And I understand what they were trying to do trying to help Mulan like realize her place in this film and how she was supposed to like realize you know was it her potential and all this other sort of stuff but she was unnecessary she didn't need to be there it was a waste all right now we move on to the presentation and visually the cinematography and action sequences have been praised as one of the best aspects of this film and while I can agree that it does look good especially for a Disney production at the same time, if you're a fan of 
international cinema, primarily the Asian scene, and you have seen certain movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, House of Flying Daggers, the Ip Man films, the Raid movies, and so on and so forth, you would have been accustomed to the different styles in which they do their presentation or their martial arts. It's very intricate, very beautiful, and this film tries to emulate that, but doesn't have the super levels of finesse and beauty that those films have been able to pull off. And some of the camera work that they try, which looks cool at first, doesn't look nearly as cool towards the latter side of the movie. And the way in which they frame these action sequences, it looks decent, but at the same time, considering what's supposed to be happening, there's a lot of war and death and stuff, it just doesn't come across as realistic. They try to have this balance between realistic and some of the more fantastical elements, but again, it doesn't blend very well. And when it comes to the film score by Harry Gregson Williams, he's a good film composer. He's done some good stuff in the realm of film, TV, and video games. And some of my favorite stuff from him was Shrek, Chicken Run, and he did some good stuff on The Equalizer and Enemy of the State. But here, his film score is a little underwhelming. There's certain moments where it has peaks, and there are certain nice um, you know, callbacks to the 90s film where they take certain songs and then implement it into this film. But considering how iconic and notable those songs are, I was hoping that this film score would at least have something to elicit similar, if not more powerful emotions. And I just didn't get that from the film score. It felt very pedestrian at best. All right, now for the conclusion. If I were to summarize Mulan 2020, in a simple way, it'd be this. Mulan is like a chicken with the lightest of seasoning. Sure, you could eat it, but there are much better things you could be eating. The film overall was just a big old disappointment, lacking the magic, flair, and energy that you'd expect with this kind of story. Again, I understand that they were trying to take elements from the original folklore and try to bridge that gap with the 90s version, but it just didn't work, baby. So if you do want to watch this film, watch it at your own risk. But do not pay the premium price to watch it on Disney+. Plus. There are much better ways to spend your money. And if you're going to watch it, wait till December. And so now that's me done with these reviews. The New Mutants, not bad. Mulan, ugh. If you've seen either of these films, please be sure to let me know in the comment section below or holler at me on Twitter where I am at TheHypersonic55 or at FilmFocus55. And yeah, be sure to check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Amazon Music if you lurk about in those areas. Give me some ratings, holler at me, I am always around. Still got plenty of things to talk about this podcast for the upcoming weeks, and um, some other potential collaborations on the way, but we'll cross that road when we get there. So thank you for listening, as usual, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you found these somewhat informative and entertaining. And until the next time, this is the Hypers on the 55, signing out. Peace!